Welcome to the Hat Soil Health Podcast, a production of Hoosier Ag Today and made possible by the Indiana Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative, a program of the Indiana Conservation Partnership. Once a month, we'll spotlight the many efforts around Indiana by CCSI and its many partners to improve soil health on Indiana cropland. Here's the host of the Hat Soil Health Podcast, Eric Pfeiffer. Welcome into the Hat Soil Health Podcast. I'm Eric Pfeiffer, and I'm joined this week by Heather Bacher. She's the state coordinator for Women for the Land here in Indiana. And I'm also joined by Jen Filippiak, Midwest Regional Director for the American Farmland Trust. And on this month's podcast, we're going to talk about outreach to non-operating landowners, in particular, female non-operating landowners, because in a lot of cases, they can have a profound effect on the adoption of soil health practices. So let's go ahead and introduce uh, Heather and Jen here. Heather, if you wouldn't mind kicking us off, go ahead and, and give us a little bit of your background and, and introduce yourself for us. Sure. Thank you, Eric. Well, um, yes, as you said, I'm the state coordinator for this initiative called Women for the Land here in Indiana. And we've been working in the state for about six years and bringing information to women landowners and women farm operators to help educate them about conservation options available to them. We've done several meetings throughout the state over the last six years, um, over 60, and we've engaged over a thousand women and we um, think it's an important audience to do outreach to and we're looking forward to doing it for many more years. And Jen Filippiak, Midwest Regional Director, American Farmland Trust. Jen, please introduce yourself for the folks. Sure. My name's Jen Filippiak, as, as you said, um, and I lead our Midwest programming for American Farmland Trust. And American Farmland Trust is a national nonprofit organization. Uh, we were founded in 1980 and our mission is to protect farmland promote sound farming practices, and um, keep farmers on the land. So it's kind of a three-pronged approach um, that is about the land, the people, and then the care for that land, the, the practices, the stewardship of that land. Um, my role at AFT is as Midwest director, but uh, I was actually hired about five years ago to help uh, implement a grant that we were participating in with the Women, Food, and Agriculture Network. Um, it was an NRCS grant, a, con a Natural Resources Conservation Service grant, uh, to to do this women landowner outreach. That's about the time that I met Heather. <laughs> and my role with AFT at that time was to test this model for engaging women non-operating landowners in conservation discussions. That was back in 2013. And what we found working with that group is that indeed this methodology, this learning circle method of engaging women landowners works very well. It works across the Midwest. AFT has since expanded that work. We're working nationally with this model as well. And we just find that wherever we go, there are women who own farmland that want to, want to have the knowledge to know that their land is being cared for in the best way possible. So our, our initiative, we have a national initiative now that is um, complementary to what Indiana is working on and, and what we've helped Indiana with. And our research really goes beyond um, the education of women landowners. That's certainly part of it. But a big thing for us is we just don't know a lot about this audience. So our, our Women for the Land initiative, our national initiative, is researching um, the barriers 
that women landowners face when it comes to implementing conservation and other management strategies that they want to see on their land. It's to, of course, continue to do the engagement and the outreach. We learn the best by talking to them. <laughs> so these learning circles are a great way to understand what um, women need. And, um, and then also we're working on what kinds of technical assistance and policy reforms are needed to better serve women landowners. So we're trying to figure out if there's regional differences, if there's things that we don't really know about because we don't know a lot about this audience. Um, so that's a little bit about uh, American Farmland Trust's involvement in this issue. So, so Jen, let's let's talk first uh, as far as uh, American Farmland Trust and and speaking to non-operating landowners, uh, whether they're male or female, they really do have a profound effect on the adoption of soil health practices on their land that they're renting out, right? Absolutely. And there's a lot of rented land. I, I think we, you know, as professionals in this field, working in agriculture and conservation fields, um, we're all aware that farmland is rented, but there's just not a lot of really good information on who who owns that land. And thirty, about 39% of American farmland is owned by... Um, by, well, sometimes they're operating owners, but 39% of the land is rented. Um, and, you know, in Indiana, about half the land, half of the farmland is rented. So it's not being farmed by the person who owns it. So that puts the farmer there, even if you have a very conservation-minded farmer um, that really is engaged in these practices and, and wants to do more of it, uh, he needs the agreement of his landowner. He needs the help and support and the partnership of his landowner to do these practices. Sometimes these practices take a few years to see to see the benefits. You know, you you have to pay a little bit upfront, and you see benefits later on. Um, so having the support and partnership of your landowner is super important. And what we're finding too is when you when you do find these non-operating um, landowners, they can be pretty far removed from farming. They care very deeply about the land. And that's one thing that we've learned. There's kind of a misconception out there that these non-operating landowners are absentee and, and maybe don't care so much about the land. We're finding that opposite is true. They care very much about the land, but they don't know a lot about farming because they might be, you know, the grandchildren of a farmer. They might have inherited the land um, or they might have grown up on the farm and they have a career off the farm and they haven't been engaged with the farming operation for many years. Um, so, they really rely on their farmer to be the expert in farming and they respect that knowledge, but the farmer really needs the landowner to understand what he's, he or she is doing, uh, what constraints they face, um, you know, all, just all the, all the ins and outs of farming. They kind of need their landowners to kind of understand that and be with them. And then especially if they want to try and practice, if the landowner's engaged and supportive, that really helps the farmer. So so yeah, it's um it's a it's a big deal and it's um I think a lot of people don't realize how much farmland is rented in this country. And Heather, I'll I'll turn to you and let you talk to some of that about Indiana. You know, Jen mentioned that about half of the Indiana farmland is rented. Where are women in that fold? Where where do they land in in that half of uh, Indiana farmland? Well, in that half that's that's rented, um it's a little hard to say. Um if we talk about ownership, here in Indiana, we know that women own or co-own at least half of the land. And so um, sometimes it's a little hard to parse out the owner operators versus the non-operating landowners that are leasing land out. What we know about general women generally is that women have a tendency to own more of their land outright, 
where men mm-hmm. are more prone to rent land. Women also are often um, operating smaller pieces of land, smaller operations than than the men do. Yeah, and another interesting statistic we know about just the, the women women versus men, I guess, or comparing the women ownership to male ownership of the land. Um, this is part of that research um, arm of things. We just we really don't have a lot of data on uh, agricultural land ownership in the United States. Are the USDA Ag Census that happens every five years? It surveys farmers. So if you are someone who owns farmland, but you do not farm, you don't, you don't fill out the census and we don't know anything about you. Um, so there is some really interesting data, though, that comes out of Iowa because the, the Iowa, the state of Iowa, does their farm and rural life poll. They do this every year and it surveys farmers and landowners. Um, and it, it, the, the emphasis of that poll changes from year to year, but they have this data on farmland ownership and management um, in Iowa going back to the farm crisis of the 80s. And one thing they found in Iowa is that, and this is the difference with women and men, of the land in Iowa that is rented, and again, Iowa is about the same as Indiana and Illinois. It's a little over half of the farmland in Iowa is rented. But if you only look at those rented acres, more than half of those rented acres are owned by women. So we're, you know, we can kind of make some speculations as to why that is. Um, there's a very strong cultural value of wanting to keep the land in the family. So if you are someone who inherits farmland, even if you aren't a farmer and, and you don't want to farm it, you still feel a responsibility for that land and you want to keep it in the family. Um, we know from actuarial t- statistics that women tend to live longer than men. <laughs> so that could be another reason why we're seeing more ownership of rented lands by women um, compared to men. So we don't have that detailed level of data for other states in the U.S. I was the only state in the U.S. that collects that kind of data every year. But, um, you know, the land ownership and tenure are pretty similar um, in Iowa, Indiana, and Illinois. So, so this is another interesting difference in the land ownership between genders. And that really focuses on why we are seeing more women-focused or women-directed outreach being developed over the last several years, because we do know that they're a very important audience and that they are underserved. And we realize that as resource professionals, we've been reaching out to farmers for decades now, and we're available to farmers. But for the non-operating landowners, many of them don't even know what resources are available to them. And so it's um, a partnership when you have a farmer actually working the land and the landowner responsible for that asset, it's important that uh, they can collaborate together. So one of the things that we do talk about when we do our outreach to non-operators in general, but particularly the women, is helping them learn and understand conservation practices and what options they have available to them so that they can create that partnership together with their farmer for the benefit of the soil. Yeah. And one thing I just like to always, if I can just get up on my soapbox a little bit, (laughs) this work, you know, Heather, I've been doing this and talking to hundreds, hundreds of women landowners in the Midwest um, for the last few years now. And this resonates, you know, and Heather, jump in if you want to, I know, I know you're going to (laughs) agree, but let me know if you want to add to it, is, um, they care, they care very deeply about this land. Um, they, there's, 
a perception, I think, sometimes that a, a landowner only cares about the rent. That's it. They just need that check. Um, they do need that check. You know, that's important. Profit is important. Um, a lot of folks, especially older landowners, they might be relying on that income as in their retirement. So they do care about that check. But they're optimizing. They're not maximizing for profit. You know, they care about the land. And if you're if you are a farmer that has an interest in conservation, your landowner is likely going to uh, trust. If you tell your landowner that you need to do some conservation practices, your landowner is likely to trust that you know what's best for their land because you're the farmer and you're the expert in that realm. And they are likely to um, be open to how they can help you do that, including monetarily, you know, including things like extending your lease, um, maybe having a lease for three years instead of one year to give a farmer some security. So these are the things we're hearing directly from women landowners um, but we're also collecting data on this now, too, where AFT is doing a, a non-operating landowner survey in 11 states across the U.S. And this is something, it's a very strong signal we're getting back in the data, is that these landowners, they trust their farmers, they're willing to work with their farmers to facilitate the implementation of conservation on their land. So they care. They do care. <laughs> Absolutely. You're listening to the Hat Soil Health Podcast. It's presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative of Indiana. You can visit them at ccsin.org. And I'm on the line here with Heather Bacher, the State Coordinator for Women for the Land here in Indiana, and also Jen Filipiak. She's the Midwest Regional Director of the American Farmland Trust. And let's just talk a little bit about... Uh, Heather, you know, earlier Jen mentioned that they're doing some research. They're trying to figure out what barriers women are facing in this landscape. Uh, obviously, agriculture traditionally has been a very male-dominated industry, and that is changing. But what barriers are you finding here in Indiana that women are facing that we're trying to overcome in trying to just outreach in general and, and get some things accomplished for women in this industry? Well, you're right, Eric. Um those barriers, <laughs> gender is be, is probably the biggest barrier that that we see when we are doing outreach to women. Um, we do know that, as you said, agriculture has been traditionally sort of a male-dominated profession, and many times the women that we are working with or talking to might be older ladies, uh, especially the ones that have inherited farmland from their families or their husbands, and uh, they still. Um, defer often to the men in their lives or to their male farmer, and they don't really feel empowered um, to to speak up about their interests in the land or or what they'd like to see happen. Um, so some of that is a gender issue, and uh, also just that general lack of knowledge. It's hard to overcome um, not having the experience or the knowledge uh, to be able to to talk to your farmer and have these conversations. So um, just sharing information with each other, the particular outreach method that we use that Jen mentioned a little bit earlier uh, for women are these learning circles and uh, they're women only gatherings in the morning for the most part. And then we uh, do meet with the men in the afternoon, whether it's a farmer or a resource uh, professional, but creating that women's network where we can share with each other and learn from each other is really important to help both empower women um, and to help them get over that 
barrier of the lack of knowledge and to give them the confidence to actually talk to the men in the field, whether it's their farmer or their male family members or male resource professionals. Yeah, and we hear over and over again um, from women reporting back that, you know, after they attended a learning circle, they they went and had a conversation um, with their farmer or with their family. Um, and you, something happens as a result of that. You know, they're um, participating in these discussions more or um, they're just, it, it, you know, I had one woman in Ohio, we're doing circles there too, um, she came back, well, she came to the learning circle and she thought, you know, she told me, she said, you know, I, I'm here. I'm not really sure I should be here. I'm not really sure I need this information. Um, but, you know, I have this family land. My brothers, um, I think she had one brother that was farming it and the other one, they were three co-owners, two brothers and, and her. And she said, you know, my brothers take care of everything for our farm. They have um, meetings. They, you know, I generally don't go to those meetings and, and, and but after the learning circle, once she learned about all these conservation practices and things, she told me, she said, I'm going to start going to those family meetings. I'm going to tell those guys that I want to be part of those family meetings. And she came back and reported back. Um, and she said, you know, it was no big deal. Like it was, they were happy to have me there. They just assumed I wasn't really interested. <laughs> and she's like, and once I said that I was interested and I was starting to learn about this stuff, they were really happy to have me there. And they were really glad that I was, um, you know, taking some steps to learn more. So a lot of it is just, um, yeah, if you give them the information, then they tend to run with it. Um, and that, that lack of, in addition to a gender barrier, that lack of knowledge, just, you know, imagine if you're, um, I don't know, maybe you left the farm when you were 20 and you became an attorney and you live maybe just an hour away, you know, from your farm, but you've been an attorney for the last, you know, 40 years. And now your parents, maybe they, um, maybe one of them is, um, you know, getting older and suffering from some dementia and you're having to get more engaged. You know, the farm's going to come to you eventually. You want to make sure everything's okay. Everything's being taken care of. And now you're thrown back into this world of agriculture with, um, you know, every field has a particular jargon to it and has technical terms that if you're not in it every day, you might not hear those terms. You know, you, it's not because, you're stupid or because, you know, you might've grown up on the farm. You understand what this stuff is, but that language, you have to kind of learn that jargon and be able to speak that vocabulary. So just having a place where you can, and I'll, I'll use air quotes when I say this, having a place where you can kind of ask your stupid questions <laughs> to make sure you understand, you know, when your farmer says VRT, what does that actually mean? Um, and, to, have, to be able to ask someone, oh, well, it means variable rate technology. It's just a way of being super efficient with, um, with fertilizer application and using a modern, you know, using modern GPS systems. That, it's, VRT is not hard to understand, but if the only thing you hear is VRT all the time, you might not feel comfortable asking, hey, what do you mean when you say that? So these circles really provide that space where we can, you know, talk through some of those terms and they can talk to each other too. And they realize that there's a lot more people, there's more landowners out there just like them um, than they realize. That's Jen Filippiak, the Midwest Regional Director for the American Farmland Trust. I also have Heather Bacher on the line, Women for the Land State Coordinator here in Indiana. And this is the Hat Soil Health Podcast presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative of Indiana. L let me ask this, and uh, Jen, I'll, I'll pose this to you first. And, and Heather, if you want to jump in, uh, have, have we had it? We've talked a lot about 
you know, farmers maybe wanting to implement conservation practices and, and needing the landowner to get involved there. Uh, has it ever kind of been the other way around where perhaps you've had one of your female landowners come to one of these learning circles, learn some things, and then realize, hey, maybe my farmer is just kind of, I don't know, I don't know the best term for it, but hacking up my field here and just getting what they can out of it because I've only got a one-year lease for them. Has, has it ever been that way where they're starting to understand like, hey, this land might be around longer than uh, the person who is renting this from me. Perhaps we need to get in and implement some things and maybe we need to put some things in our agreement here to make sure some of these conservation practices are happening. Oh, yeah, that, that definitely happens. <laughs> yeah, it definitely can be the other way around. It, it can be the landowner insisting that she wants to see some of these practices or she wants maybe something she's seeing in the field. She wants to understand it more, like maybe she sees some erosion or something in the field and she wants to understand more why it's happening and what, what they can do together to solve that problem. Um, you know, I have one, one of my favorite stories <laughs> of a landowner who attended a learning circle in Illinois. Um, she's a retired professor from Illinois State University, and um, she learned about cover crops and soil health, and she really likes the idea of cover crops. And she has uh, Amish farmers who rent her family land. Her family land is a century farm. It's been in her family for multiple generations. And and she went to her farmer and asked them if they'd heard about these cover crops. She really likes the idea of using them. And the farmer said, oh, yeah, yeah, we've heard about it. But, you know, it's just really, it's going to be really hard to do that on your land for, for these various reasons. So then she came back and said, um, you know, my farmer says it's not going to be easy on my land um, because of these reasons. What do you think of that? And so, you know, I connected her well, she reached out to me. She also reached out to her soil and water conservation district person. And that staff person um, was willing to go talk to the farmer and talk through some of the, the technical aspects of trying to start with cover crops. Um, she also then, because of her connections to Illinois State, she went back and found out about a research program that was going on with cover crops. Um, there was a researcher there that was looking for fields to experiment with. And if you're willing to try cover crops in your field in the way that this researcher wanted them done so he, for his research design, he would pay for it. So she wrote a proposal. <laughs> it's just a one page, you, I want you to use my field, but you need to come out and talk with my farmer. They're, they're a little nervous about it. They're not totally against it, but they're not sure. And then she also um, connected her farmer to another farmer, a county over, that was successfully using cover crops. So she really wanted to try it on her land once she learned about it and she made it happen. And it all started with just knowing that the practice was available, that other farmers were using it and having a couple of connections that could help her. Cause obviously she doesn't know everything there is to know about cover crops. She's not the one that can provide that technical assistance to her farmer, but she also didn't want to dictate to her farmer, like you must do this without helping him to make sure he's getting the good advice you know, to, to be able to have a good experience trying it. So that's just one example. It was very, it was very, it was truly a partnership, you know? I mean, it wasn't her like ordering the farmer to do something. Um, and it wasn't the farmer saying, no, no, no. They, they had to kind of work through this process together. So yeah, we definitely see these practices being pushed by the landowner when maybe the farmer's not so interested. That definitely happens. We do see the same thing here in Indiana, um, and particularly in the women-only learning circles, 
uh, we hear women who are free to say, I feel uncomfortable. I feel like mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not in a good position to tell my farmer what to do. This sounds really good, what I'm hearing about cover crops or no-till or riparian corridors or different practices, but I don't, you know, I can't tell him what to do. And mm-hmm. often um, we see situations where, especially if a woman has inherited from her husband or her parents, there may be a farmer that's been on those acres for several years. And, and he may say, you know what, don't worry about any of that cover crop stuff or any of that conservation stuff. You know, I'll just take care of it. And they're not confident or comfortable in saying, no, I, I do want this. So when we're sitting together with women in a group and one woman can express that kind of insecurity uh, or lack of confidence, we very often have other women say, yes, you can do this. This is important. You have the right, this is your asset, and this is how you do it. And they will share with each other how they maybe have revised lease with their farmer so that they are you know, sharing on expenses for some of the conservation practices or extending the lease, um, as one of us had talked about before, so that uh, you're sharing, you know, the, the farmer has a longer term horizon um, and they're not as, at much risk for trying something in a year or two and having the yield impacted and not seeing those results. So again, it just goes back to, to educating the landowner about the options that are available and helping them understand some of the risks or concerns that their uh, tenant might have, their farmer might have, and helping them work together with those um, with the resources available and helping with that communication. Yeah, and I think you touched on another really important thing that we don't often pay, I think, pay enough attention to, even in our work with farmers, is um, just the cultural and social pressures around farming. Um, you know, the, I've heard I've heard this expressed that I inherited the land and the farmer, <laughs> you know, so it's someone that, you know, he's been farming for my dad for 40 years and now I inherit the land and he's just going to keep farming it under the same leasing um, structure. Um, you know, I'm not necessarily comfortable changing that. That was just what I inherited. Um, and so when a, when a landowner wants to come in kind of new to it, and say, ah, you know, I, I, I have these concerns or I have these questions. Um, the other reason it can be intimidating is that, you know, you might be going to church every day or every day, every Sunday with that farmer, you know. Um, it's, he's part of your community and um, he might be a relative, <laughs> you know. So even if that farmer is doing something or not addressing a concern that you have, the, it's hard, it's hard, you know, when you have those um, very deeply ingrained um, and really trusted relationships for multiple generations, that social and cultural pressure um, about maybe suggesting trying something different, that's just, that's very strong. So even if, and this is for the farmers too, you know, even if you have all the best data and you have a real, and you're very confident in the technical assistance that you have, um, that you should try something new, you know, what it looks like to the neighbors, how it's going to be reacted to in the farming community. Those are, those pressures are real. Um, and they're hard to, you just have to be prepared to deal with it. And I've, I've heard the women talk a lot about that in learning circles. Um, just about, you know, people are, you might get some pushback from your community because you're not the farmer and this person's been farming for your dad, you know, for 40 years. 
So you might get some pushback. People might kind of think of you as maybe a know-it-all or what do you, you know, who do you think you are? But, but that's okay. Like they'll get over it. It's, you know, you do what's good for your land. Um, so that, that support and that network is really a really key part of the learning circles and getting these women to, to talk to each other and support each other. Again, you're listening to the Hat Soil Health Podcast presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative of Indiana. You can get more information at ccsin.org. Heather Bacher is here, Women for the Land, State Coordinator here in Indiana, and also Jen Filippiak, Midwest Regional Director for the American Farmland Trust. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about these these learning circles, and here in just a little minute we'll talk about uh, when some of those might be available. But, Jen, you know, the, the issues that we've talked about here, they're not going to be going away anytime soon. As a matter of fact, this is only going to get bigger as more land is likely going to end up with female landowners, right? Yeah, and just the general trend of land ownership, land changing hands. So we, we know from the USDA Ag Census and some other USDA surveys that have been done, um, we know that over the next 20 years, the estimate is that about 270 million acres of farmland in the U.S. are expected to change hands um, as farmers retire or leave their land to the next generation. And so, and we, we expect that during that time, the women and, and just non-farming landowners in general are going to increase in numbers. So, yeah, this is a really big issue. Um, we, we, def- we need to be talking to, to landowners, and we need to have a pipeline for people who are coming into land ownership for the first time to have access to, to resources and information to help them manage their land well. I agree. And um, I would just like to share again that while it's important that we're educating the non-operating landowners as they are coming into agriculture um, or they're new to it, I think it's really important that one of the things that we are focusing on is helping them understand how to talk to their farmers. Farmers have been at the core of, obviously, agriculture for, for decades, and they really care about the land. They have an equal passion and interest in sustainable agriculture, and one of the things that we really want to focus on is helping bridge that communication gap so that landowners can understand the challenges that the farmer is facing in terms of lease insecurity or concerns about profit or the cost of inputs versus uh, what they can get out of the land. You know, some of the data that we're collecting, this is brand new data. We haven't released it yet, but we we are doing this. I mentioned this 11-state um, non-operator landowner survey. We're surveying men and women equally in 11 states across the country, 11 of the states with the most rented land. And Indiana is one of those states. And one of the questions we ask them is, you know, are you comfortable extending the lease, um, you know, to facilitate implementation of conservation practices? We ask them questions like, are you comfortable asking your operator to use certain conservation practices? You know, do you worry that discussion of conservation might upset my family or my farmer? And they overwhelmingly say um, they're comfortable changing lease terms to accommodate conservation. And they also overwhelmingly say, one question we say is, you know, of these factors, what, which factors are the most important to you in which characteristics of a farmer are the most important to you? you know, what we in the person farming your land. And in Indiana, 90, almost everybody, <laughs> 98% of the respondents said trustworthiness is, I need to be able to trust my, my farmer. Um, that is the most important quality in my farmer. 
So, you know, farmers, <laughs> your landowners trust you as the expert in farming and agriculture. They expect that if you think there's something needed on your land um, that needs to change to, for the health of your land, they, they, they trust that you're going to come to them and talk to them about it. So I, I just like to, I, now when I talk to farmers with all this data coming in and all the conversations I've had with women landowners is, you know, if you want to change something for the better, betterment of that land um, as the farmer, your landowner is probably willing to work with you. So, um, I, you know, and the data is really starting to back this up. You know, we also asked them, um, I am comfortable, um, it, what's the question? I, I, I am committed to my operator's continuation as a renter of my land. So even though the majority of leases are annual leases, when you ask them, do you agree? Are you, you know, I am committed to my operator's continuation as a renter of my land. In Indiana, 88% of the landowners agreed with that statement. So they, they might be having an annual lease, but they expect that that lease is going to be renewed every year. Um, so that, that, just, that signal is so strong that these farmers are really trusted by the landowners. Um, so we should, you know, that's, that's what it's going to take to get more conservation on these rented lands. Right. And I think farm landowners and farmers themselves both have equally vested interest in the long-term health of the land. And the key component that uh, they need in that um, relationship is communication. That's really one of the things that we're focusing on with the women's outreach initiative because um, not only is there that gender barrier and the knowledge barrier, but just helping them understand the issues and helping facilitate that communication, giving them the confidence for that communication. And Heather, let's talk about some of those events that might be coming up where the opportunity exists to ex uh, to attend one of these learning circles. Do you have anything coming up here in the near future that uh, female landowners might be able to take advantage of? Absolutely. We do a couple of dozen learning circles um, a year, and they occur primarily in the spring and in the fall. So we'll be having several coming up in this fall throughout the state, and they can be found on our website at women4theland.org. Very good. Jen and Heather, thank you both so much for joining us here on the Hat Soil Health Podcast. We certainly appreciate your time, and we will have links to both of the websites for your organizations available at HoosierAgToday.com. Thank you for joining us and for spreading the good news about conservation practices. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to the Hat Soil Health Podcast, presented by the Conservation Cropping Systems Initiative of Indiana. You can find out more about CCSI and their programs by visiting ccsin.org. I'm Eric Pfeiffer. The Hat Soil Health Podcast has been a production of Hoosier Ag Today. Timely, relevant, credible.